Welcome to Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast brought to you by Cisco. On this podcast, we take complex tech topics and break them down for the non-tech listener with your host, Ian, Kyle, and Philip. Welcome to the second episode of the new ScanSource podcast, Break It Down. And we are joined once again by Kyle DeWitt, VP of Tech Services here at ScanSource. And Kyle, today we are talking artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah. We were just talking before the show, and I don't know how much I know. I said I know nothing, but then I <laughs> did do a bit of reading, and I feel like now maybe I know more, but it might be a problematic amount. Yeah, well, I promise you, you know more than you think you did before we started this. You know, one of the comments we were making pre-show, if we can call it that, is that artificial intelligence has been around forever. It's been, I mean, it was uh, first called such a thing in the 50s. So it's been around for all of our lives, the three of us, for sure. And just the ways it's being adopted in current markets are what or, you know, applies a little bit of scariness and a little bit of complexity to it. So let's start there then. You said the 50s, Kyle. Yeah. Why don't we start with where artificial intelligence began and maybe what it is? Unless, Phil, do you know? <laughs> I, like you, Ian, did some homework before by watching Terminator and iRobot. <laughs> and, uh, I'm scared. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> All right, so help us, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's try to leave behind the science fiction version of artificial intelligence. Which, to your your point, Philip, it's uh, you know Hollywood has done a remarkable job of sensationalizing this technology, and it's not completely you know outside the bounds of what AI is. But consider artificial intelligence is really just machines that are attempting to make decisions based off predefined rules and with a goal, with an outcome at the end. What I would caution everyone on is separating artificial intelligence from machine learning. Artificial intelligence is having a system or a computer, some compute device that has the ability to interpret data and interpret external data and as such make decisions on how it achieves its goal based off of the data that it's interpreting. But it's really not learning through the process, which is a, a topic we for sure want to want to get into here as just making that statement just, just scratches the surface. But I'll give you, so I'm a huge math nerd in school forever in mathematics, finally realized, you know, it wasn't the ones and zeros I enjoyed. It was the problem solving aspect to it. Got a degree in it. And they're not doing anything with math today. I do problem solving today for sure. I feel like you're not giving yourself enough credit. I feel like there's math in what you do. I Well, it, there, there's some. There's some. So consider a, a very basic computer program where you provide it any number, any whole number. And you can give it three rules. One, if that whole number is even, then divide it in half. If the whole number is odd, just subtract one from it and then repeat until you hit zero. That program running is artificial intelligence. I can promise you that no matter what number you put in there over a period of time, the program is going to result in zero. That's the goal. Get the number to zero. So something very simple like that is artificial intelligence. And what you have seen as we went through this, it's been around since this this workshop in, at Dartmouth in the 50s. They went through what you know a lot of people call an AI winter 
in the 1970s because of a lack of funding and you know, all, all kinds of really good reasons. But now we're sitting in a, a, in a generation and a time when we're not limited by compute capabilities. We're not limited by, but for sure, we're not limited by having enough data. There's tremendous amounts of data out there. So there are very complex versions of the thing that I just described that are being developed and put into place to process tremendous amounts of data that are not human driven. This is this is where the artificial intelligence comes in. Again, it's just processing data, specific goal in mind and predefined tasks to go accomplish it. All right. So you just said that it's not human like intelligence, but is Siri AI? So it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a bunch of common examples. You know, IBM's Watson was a popular example years ago. It won Jeopardy, right? Right. It threw <laughs> of, of Jeopardy's top champions, right? And so it's got access to a vast amount of knowledge and can make decisions based off of what you input the question, or in that case, the answer, and can spit out a result. Siri, Alexa, okay, well now my Alexa is going to go off in the background here. You know, okay, Google, all of those things are small computers that are sitting there processing natural speech and trying to find patterns in the natural speech, which they then essentially bounce up against databases and give you results back. So if you look at it at the fundamental layer of what it's doing, I mean, those things get scary anyway, because they're always listening. That is a perfect example of common AI. It's not truly learning from you. It's just processing external data, which is your voice. So what is all this, all this computing power? Is this just software? Is What's the machine behind all of this? Yeah, well, that's a, the 2020 answer. That's a lot different than it was in Terminator. You know, <laughs> the compute device is in the cloud somewhere. It's, it's cloud compute. It's it's cloud storage, et cetera. Very little of the processing on any of these devices that uh, we're referencing happens in your home. Some amount of it has to, like the wake word and things like that. But this, I mean, it's it's literally, uh, you know, programs. There's, there's a lot of app dev out there, DevOps out there to write applications that can process tremendous amounts of data. Again, hands off, human, human hands off that are changing the way that we can make decisions. So dumb question then, is the cloud key in all of this? Did the cloud expedite AI? Because to me that provides like a much larger breadth of information and data. Yeah, so I would say in in two regards. One, it's very expensive to own enough computing capability. Again, this is 2020, it's not as expensive as it was 10 years ago. But it is still expensive to own enough compute capability to do some of this large data analysis on your own. And that's where cloud compute and flexible computing resources, you know, AWS and Azure and those types of platforms, that's what that brings. But also to the second part of your question, all this data already exists in the cloud and sharing it between systems is what has advanced the ability to make artificial intelligence or apps that use AI truly intelligent. And that's where I think my interest is peaked as a marketer, because a lot of that is, I mean, it's data sharing and then decisions based off of that with targeted ads. And I mean, a lot of the the scary examples like Target 10 years ago, where they're 
you know, knowing about pregnancies before the people do. But that's interesting in just the way that a lot of us are so careless with data that we are essentially enabling others to potentially make decisions that we are having an input on that we might not know we have an input on. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's where it gets really scary, right? I mean, I think both of you have uh, Facebook profiles, but if you upload a new photo to your Facebook page, it will make a recommendation that you tag yourself in that photo and it'll show you right where you are. Right. Yep. And then even like friends. That's right. So that, that's like, Hey, AI. here's Kyle. <laughs> yep. That's AI. So they have an AI system that's running that when you upload images, it processes the image and looks for patterns. And when it finds the pattern that looks like Ian's face, it prompts the user to tag Ian in the photo. So where that data is ultimately being stored and how many other systems in the world get access to it. That's where, that's where this truly gets scary. So there's been a lot of stuff in, in the media around data, privacy, and all that things with social media platforms recently and for just cause, right? So we're in the physical security space as well. And you think facial recognition in that space, you give control to software and applications that control other things like access to buildings, you know, it can now. Yeah, I've quiet. seen Minority Report. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking about. <laughs> yep. That's yep. so funny. And when was that recorded? I mean, it, well, you know, it was a while back. So yeah. Uh, so let's. So we've made a couple movie references, and we're only ten minutes in. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and ask this question that I've written down. What movie, Kyle, does the best job of portraying AI in a realistic sense? Yeah, uh, gosh, I don't know. That's a that's a good question. I mean, there were there were several in the eighties when I were growing up that when you first started putting the voice to a computer, the computer didn't necessarily have a goal that it was its own goal. It had been pre-programmed and acted upon it. I don't know. I I recently uh, I own one of these uh, scratch-off posters that is. Uh, the top 100 you know, movies on your bucket list. And yeah. Hey, Kyle, I just have to tell you. Yeah. My wife was on vacation this week and she got me that for Christmas. Yeah. I'm working through the top 100, the same thing, little scratch off. Yeah. I'm That's working right. through it as well. Yeah. Phil's done 87 of them this week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> one of the ones on that list was this movie called Her. And the premise behind the movie is, and I don't know when it's supposed to be set, but it's, it's clearly futuristic. But a human buys an application, which is called an AI, and he installs it on his computer at home, and then he starts engaging with it like we do all of these smart devices in our home. And the movie, the premise of the movie is that this artificial intelligence develops emotions. And so that right there is when you stop calling it AI. It cannot be AI if it has emotion, right? So emotion is or intuition, those types of things are true human traits that are not programmatic. You know, we can get into, you know, how decisions get impacted by those two things, but that's why AI will never fully replace humans in decision-making processes. So that was one, I guess maybe that's a counter example of uh, one where I would say it was the best example. So that's, I just Googled top AI movies and that was number 15 on this list. They put Blade Runner number one. Okay, wow. And her is one of the ones on my list I haven't seen. I mean, yeah. I've seen like 90 of the top 100 and that was one of them. Yeah. And yeah, I, I've got to watch it now. 
all of a sudden there's gonna be like this massive hit of people who watch this and watch her so yep. shout out <laughs> so you just said something kyle that i want to go back to you said that ai can't control humans and I, like I said, I did a little bit of reading before the show, which is dangerous for me. <laughs> and that was one of the, they were kind of busting some myths. And that was one of the things they busted. And what they pointed out was that AI doesn't control humans, but that intelligence enables control. And the example they gave is today we control tigers by being smarter than them. Meaning, if you read between the lines here, Intelligence is the currency of this. So if AI's intelligence exceeds our own, then in, se- in theory, they can control humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, the comment I was making was specifically around replacing humans in the decision-making process. Fair, okay. It's, you know, the same answer here is, so one, it's called artificial intelligence, right? It's not called Correct. artificial wisdom. There's yeah, it's not going to have like a conscious or anything. Like it's yeah. not suddenly going to be determining what's good and bad yep, that's without right. us writing a rule. That's right. So consider this. One of the driving factors in developing artificial intelligence is to replicate cognitive tasks. So that by design is a cognitive task. So if you develop AI to replicate itself, it will quickly outpace the ability that humans have for cognitive capacity. So, you know, that's where this really gets scary is if the goal of the AI is to develop itself, we could truly see some of this. I mean, we're, we're not going to see the end of the world like in Terminator, but you can see applications, programs, things like this literally getting out of control. So on that note, though, the other issue I see is who's writing the AI. Because I just said, AI can't get determined between good and bad, but it can, but that's in the eye of the beholder. To your decision earlier, and again, I'm thinking this through the lens of minority report, (laughs) but like a a facial recognition camera tied to a decision-making software, in theory is making the decision of good or bad or yes or no, or a binary decision, but it's based on what was programmed into it. So really it's, that's the, where it gets real scary. Yeah, well, I, I didn't do enough research to, to find the right proper noun, so I apologize that I don't remember exactly what it was called, but Twitter launched a bot a few years ago, and that's AI. And so the bots was programmed to interact with other Twitter users and thus learn how to interact as a Twitter user. And essentially, once the humans found out that this thing was a bot, they essentially taught it to be offensive. So their goal was a joke, but the outcome of AI was that this it was a highly offensive chat bot that was loose on the internet, and they ended up pulling the plug on it. So Was it Tay? Tay? Tay. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah, that might yeah. be it. So yeah, exactly as you said, the goal that's programmed that AI is is trying to accomplish, the moral decision on whether or not it is a good or bad action to take is the AI has no idea. So that's, again, that's where the the intuition and emotion elements that come into decision-making processes that humans can make can't be replicated. Gotcha. Phil, what else you got, buddy? I'm just thinking through this. So so you, you put in rules, but its ability to act within these rules, can, I, if I say learn, I mean, is artificial intelligence, it, it doesn't have an ability to learn outside of its, I guess, 
bumpers or rules? Yeah, well, I mean, if you if you look at uh, how a grade school child learns, it's through repetition. It's access to data, it's exposure to data, and it's repetition. The element that I would say artificial intelligence or programs in that AI realm, as close as they get to learning, is being predictive. If you perform an action enough times that you recognize that you will always receive the same outcome, you can predict that you no longer need to perform that action to, re- to achieve the outcome. Now, you multiply that times a thousand, and then it starts looking like it's cognitive on its own. That's truly, in my eyes, that's, that's essentially where the learning aspect of this comes in from a, from a programmatic standpoint. So it's, it's learning based, but it's going to make decisions that don't look like an outlier. It's the masses. Yep. Keep in mind, it's making decisions to achieve its predefined goal. Right. So as long as the goal doesn't change the means to accomplish the goal, it will develop its own efficiencies in order to achieve that goal. So it's like one of those algorithms that predict sports results. That's right. I'm glad you said algorithm. I, I threw out my huge math nerd thing at the beginning and I've pulled it this far <laughs> without saying algorithm, but that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah, that's exactly That's the biggest word I know. <laughs> so wrapping this up, and Phil, you might have more questions, but I have one I have a more lot of questions, but they're, they're, this one's got me thinking. I said this on the first one too. This one might have a part two. We need a part two on both of them we've done so far. Where we learn things. Where we, we learn things and come back. Yeah. I'm just auditioning for the main show here. I know, <laughs> it's fine. It's coming. <laughs> so, Kyle, what are, I guess, short-term, long-term, let's talk real-world applications. Because, obviously, there's a lot in existence today. We've mentioned a lot of them with the Alexas and the Series and the Google Homes. But what do you foresee coming down the line in, I would say obviously thinking about the channel space, but also, I guess, in the, the consumer and, and real world, if you will. Yep. I'll treat this as a teaser so uh, I can I can see if Phil can make a part two happen because we can talk about a bunch of these things in a, in a lot of detail. So, and there's, there's things that exist today that are in the AI space that we all interact with all day, every day. And no, no one even thinks about it. And some of the ones that you just gave as examples are the most relevant for sure. So, you know, a lot of the social media things, what's coming in the future. I don't know if your research brought you to this article, but there is a film that's being shot in June of 2021, where the main, the lead role, the main character is a robot that is powered by AI, not the character, but the actual actor actress is a robot that's powered by AI. It'll be the what? first lead role in a motion picture being performed by a robot. So that's like one of those out of the world, uh, this is what's coming. But let's stay in our lane, bros. So <laughs> in this space, AI is in use in warehousing and logistics, right? There's robots driving around warehouses doing picking. There's some great videos on Google's warehouses or Amazon's warehouses where the machines move around the store or around the warehouse, I'm sorry, and pick the most commonly picked items of, oh, by the way, they're also integrated with, let's call it their e-commerce platform, which diminishes what it truly is, but they know what orders are coming in and what the human pickers and packagers are going to need. So they go pick it themselves. So that's all AI, right? Learning behaviors, learning 
predictive or using predictive analytics. Shopping experiences are changing. Again, none, none of this is new. Uh, Neiman Marcus has an AI-powered app that as you're walking around, if you see somebody else wearing something that you like, you can take a picture of it. And the Neiman Marcus app will actually show you what they have in their catalog that looks similar to that in fashion. That's, I mean, that's a, a real world retail experience that's happening as long ago as 2017. There was a company called Unique Glow, which uh, created this, I'll call it weird, shopping experience where you could sit in front of a screen with a neuroscience device connected to essentially wearing it like a hat. And it would show you images of apparel. And based off of your physical reaction to the images you were seeing, it would make a shopping decision for you. So again, that's AI. That's in the retail space. That's kind of far out there. Are we really ever going to get to that point? Probably not. That's not the shopping experience people are demanding, but but it's kind of cool. But I'll, I'll, I'll kind of button up this conversation with the one that's I think is the most relevant to right now while we're all working from home and that's cybersecurity. What a tie in. Yeah. That, yeah. It's continuity, man. Continuity. <laughs> so the cybersecurity demands right now while we're all working from home are so high that even companies that specialize in monitoring for attacks are overwhelmed with the amount of alerts and data that they get. And there is, a clamor for new AI to help process breach warnings or phishing attacks or all of the, any of those types of things without having to route it through a SIM to a human being. Now, again, I'll go back to saying we're going to develop AI. It's, it might develop itself, but it's never going to fully be able to replace humans in detection of certain things. You know, I run a services organization for a living when I'm not moonlighting as a as a podcaster, I can't replace the human beings and my staff with AI because AI has a prescribed set of rules. We need the intuition. We need the emotions, not the right word in this context, but the human deductive reasoning has to be applied for a lot of different problem solving in a lot of problem solving cases. So anyway, so in our space, retail, healthcare, physical security, fleet management, like all of those things, AI is relevant. It's out there. As we were talking in the pre-show, there's a lot of people misusing the term, trying to capitalize on, on the buzzword. It should in no way diminish what's really happening. One last fun one for you, and I know you've experienced it, and maybe this is just validation for you that it is what you thought it was, but there are applications that are considered AI, which you can use to post on your own blog. So you write the blog, fire off the application, and the AI will comment on your blog about just how amazing your writing was and how relevant no it was and boost your readership numbers and increase SEO, like all of those Do things. they do this for podcasts? I don't know. We might have to check <laughs> into it. We need an AI to listen to our podcast. <laughs> So it's out there, right? And so the consumer uses of it, just like in any other technology that you, the three of us are familiar with, the consumer use of the technology will drive the commercial use of the technology. This one is not an outlier in, in that regard. So similar to that, can this be used to give like certain online stores good reviews, similar to a blog where... sure. So it's just driving a response that just 
puts in a, like if I go look at 5,000 products and the same 5,000 products have the same five-star review with the same wording. Yep. You got it. Never trust anything you read on the internet. I read that Ian was great. I don't know. (laughs) Don't trust it. All right. (laughs) Well, that is, uh, that is our second tech talk. Kyle, we appreciate it. Uh, We have a lot more of these to come, especially if we're going to start doing part twos and we are looking forward to it, my man. I feel smarter already. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you. Until next time. Today's interview is brought to you by Cisco WebEx. Cisco WebEx is a platform 95% of Fortune 500 companies use for their collaboration needs. WebEx meetings brings people from all over the globe together. It's like being there in person even when you can't be. Join from any device and get HD quality audio and video and even share your screen. From online meetings to whiteboarding to file sharing with the whole team, work progresses with WebEx. It's how millions do their best teamwork.